Welcome back to the Evidence for Faith podcast with Michael Lane. If you're enjoying our content and would like to help us keep making more episodes on this podcast, you can become a donor at evidenceforfaith.org slash give. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org slash give. And while you're on the website, make sure to check out some of the other things we got going on, like our specialty programs. We've got one in marine biology, which is an entire marine biology course down in the Florida Keys. And it's great for students ages 14 and up. We also have our biblical archaeology tour in Israel with archaeologists Dr. Stephen Notley. That's coming up very, very soon. So make sure to check those out. And we also have our bookings calendar open. So if you're looking for a speaker to come speak at your event, church, group, school, whatever it may be, make sure to get in your request in right away. And finally, if you have enjoyed a particular series on this podcast, or you want to go back and look at a particular episode, our courses page has every single series we've ever done on the podcast nicely organized in its own course page. And sometimes there's a few extra little downloads and things you can use if you want to go back and study a particular series or share it with a friend or a family. All these links are going to be down in the description if you want to refer back to them after you're done listening to today's episode. And with that, thanks for being here and I'll let Michael take it away. Hi, welcome to Evidence for Faith. It's your host, Michael Lane. And today we're concluding, oh, sorry, we're concluding the series that we're doing, the Bible study on the armor of God. And you might think, well, haven't we already finished? We've talked about the belt of truth. We've talked about the breastplate of righteousness. We've talked about the, the shoes of peace. We've talked about the shield of faith. We've gone over the helmet of salvation. We've done the sword of the spirit. Isn't, isn't that it? Aren't we done? Well, in many pamphlets and in many books, they do say you're done now. I have a couple of little pamphlets that pull out and they basically, once you do the, the sword of the spirit, you're done. But that's not what the paragraph, remember this is a paragraph. What else is in this paragraph that we need to be noted on and to be brought to our attention because we have another weapon? It's unfortunate that so many places, so many churches, I've heard this preached in Bible school and Sunday school and church so many times, and they stop at the sword of the Spirit. They think, well, we're done. We got through the sword of the Spirit, we're done with it. No, there's something else. And let's take a look. Let's go through our passage. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. And again, as I've said in every lesson, in the oldest manuscripts we have of the Bible, this is all one paragraph. Thus, each sentence is pertaining to the beginning. Uh, when it changes, we're in a different paragraph. So all of this is combined into one thing, and it's talking about putting on the armor of God, to be strong in the Lord in our spiritual battles. So let's take a look, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Again, we're doing the English Standard Version, and I'm choosing this because, as we've been talked about, we've been talking about so much already, it's a word-for-word -word translation, and it's, it's readable, it's written like on an eighth grade level, so everybody should be able to understand this pretty much. But this is how it reads. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, 
Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, did you catch the piece of weaponry that is often neglected? Oh my gosh, this is so important. It was found in verse 18. Did you see it? because this is all pertaining to how we fight a battle. And the last thing, right after the sword of the Spirit, in the same sentence, in, in most translations, the exact same sentence, it says, praying at all times in the Spirit. And how? With all prayer and supplication, praying. Too often, we think about the armor of God of just being these pieces here that we're looking at. The helmet, the breastplate, the belt, the shield, the sword, etc. We look at those and we walk out and we think, okay, we're ready for battle. We have forgotten one very, very powerful weapon. Because the shoes tell us that we have peace with God. If you've had that lesson now, shoes have a, gives us peace with God. Um, we're no longer God's enemies. We're part of his family. But the thing is, families, uh, the family unit communicates and talks with each other. We need to do that. We listen to God by studying and training how to use the sword and the shield and stuff, and that's using the word of God. But we need to talk to God too, and that's prayer. And that becomes a very important weapon for us. The weapon of prayer. This is actually one of the most powerful weapons Christians have. Yet, I dare say it's probably the one we use the least. And that's so sad. We always think of prayer primarily, many Christians think of prayer as just a shopping list, like at Christmas time when you were a kid, making a list of things you want God to jump out of this bottle as a genie and grant your wishes. That's not prayer. That's not what we're talking about here. Notice too that it says, praying at all times. How many things, how many times do we go through events in our lives and we only pray at certain points of the day? Some people have told me, well, I only pray on Sunday when I'm at church, when the pastor leads us. Um, I've told in some other lessons about a college student who came up to me and, and said, my walk with God has really diminished over the last couple of years. One thing I said was, how often do you read your Bible? Well, I don't. Well, how often do you pray? I, I don't pray. Well, duh. How can you have a close relationship if you're not communicating? And prayer is us talking to God. Reading his word is him talking to us. You need to do both of these. Marriages will often suffer if, the communication breaks down. It's one of the major causes for marriages to break up. When someone, a couple is having a problem, they often run into when they're getting some counseling, and I have counseled some people on this, though that is not my, my expertise, but I have as an elder of my church in the past, and also just as a Bible teacher, people have come to me for counseling, married couples. And one of the first questions I ask is, you know, how often do you guys communicate? Or how often do you talk to each other? I mean, just you know, yelling, I'm talking about just talking. 
And a lot of times uh, I find out they aren't talking at all. You've had best friends in your life, I'm sure. How can you have a really close friend if you don't talk to your best friend? What kind of relationship is that? You see, it's one-sided, and that is not a team. So we are fighting as a team. God is on our side. The thing is, we need to communicate with God also. Not just listen to what he's telling us in his word, but we need to talk to God. Pour out our hearts, our feelings to him. This is so important. So communication is one of the most important things for us to talk to God. And it says to do this at all times. Um, we are to keep on the alert, even, it talks about, to be alert. We need to always be ready to pray and ready to fight, ready to pick up the sword or pick up the shield at a moment's notice. We need to do this, but we need to pray. We need to talk to God. Now, did you notice that this is not an option? The scriptures did not say, and when you feel like it, pray, or when you sit down to have a meal, pray. That's not what it's saying. Oh, when disaster strikes, you pray. I, I make a confession here. When I moved back from the Bahamas to the States, in the summertime, that first summer, I found I had some free time in the day, and I had, um, it was before the school year started, uh, so I'm going to be teaching in northern Illinois, and I had some time in the daytime that I didn't have a lot to do. We had moved into an apartment and stuff, Denise and I, and I hate to admit this, I got into a TV soap opera. Lord, forgive me. I did. General Hospital. I got into General Hospital. And as I was watching this, well, God used it for a purpose because I'm not saying, okay, what's General Hospital? Because God wants you to. That's not what I'm saying. God took what I was doing, listening to this garbage, uh, literally. I mean, really, what is a soap opera? It's every, how did Carmen, this Christian artist, put it? It's every immorality known to man done by each other to everyone every day in an hour. That's a soap opera. And, but the thing is, I noticed something in the soap opera as I was watching this General Hospital thing that on occasion, people, the characters, the actors would pray in, in character, they would do this. But it was only when disasters hit, when they reached the last straw of their arsenal and they have nothing else, then they go to God in prayer. And I thought, wow, that really portrays life. I mean, a lot of the soap opera stuff I don't really think portrays life, maybe it does. I've lived in a different life and a different world if that's the case of how things are. But the thing is, I noticed that people pray. And then I started noticing and just talking with people, my students and, and people at church and stuff, a lot of people do that. They only pray when disaster hits and they've got no other source open available to them, it appears, then they go to prayer. That's not what this is saying. No, this says to pray when you feel like it and even when you don't feel like it, you pray. When you want something, yeah. Uh, when you need something, yes. But it's saying to pray all the time. You don't make a shopping list. That's not what this is. And when was the last time? I mean, how often are our prayers set up like, God, give me this. God, do this. God, would you please do this? When was the last time you prayed this way? God, what can I do for you? There's an option. Try praying that sometime or daily. God, what can I do for you today to bring you glory, to bring you honor? You see, this is a command. In the scripture here in Ephesians 6, Paul, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, is telling us we are commanded to pray at all times. And you know, it's just not in Ephesians. Take a look in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, be 
constant in prayer. Or in 1 Thessalonians, verse 5, 17, pray without ceasing. We're supposed to be praying, it says, all the time. Pray without ceasing. And Ephesians says, too, pray all the time. We're supposed to be praying. Now, that leads to a question that I've often been asked by teens and college students and even occasionally by adults. How in the world is a person supposed to pray all the time? How does that work? How can we pray all the time? If I'm driving down the road going to work, I'm supposed to be praying with my eyes closed, my hands folded, I'll get in an accident. No, no. Some people say, well, I, I mean, you have to go to church all the time? And, and so you, you got to live at church? Well, unfortunately, that's how some monks back in um, centuries ago used to think that to pray all the time, you had to be in the church. No. As Paul tells the woman at the well in John chapter 4, God is spirit. He's everywhere. You don't have to go to, as he's talking to the woman at the well, you don't have to go to Mount Gerizim to pray to God. You don't have to go, like the Jews say, to Jerusalem to pray to God. He's everywhere. You can pray to him all the time. So we are supposed to pray all the time, meaning we don't have to be, you, you can pray anywhere, but what this means is this. How do I do this all the time? How do I pray without ceasing? It's talking about <clears throat> to be, to live in the moment of prayer, to be in the mindset of prayer all the time. What do I mean by that? What is prayer? As I said, it's a communication. To communicate with someone, they're there with you. They're listening to you. You're having a conversation. Your bestie is right next to you, and you're able to talk to them and listen to them. You guys are just having a conversation. It's to be in the mindset that God is right there with you all the time. And he's listening to you all the time. Whether you want him to listen to you or not, he is listening to you all the time. God is always with you. That's what Jesus told the woman at the well. He is spirit, meaning he is everywhere. You see, in ancient times, they used to think that God was limited to certain places. In the Old Testament, in particular, they thought this, that um, God would be the God of the hills, or God would be the God of the plains, or there'd be God would be God of the sea. No, God is the true God, created it all, and he is spirit. He is everywhere. As Jonah find out, found out, you can't escape God. He is everywhere, even inside the belly of a fish. He can be anywhere, and he is everywhere. And since he's always everywhere, and he's always there with you, no matter where you are, no matter what your circumstance. This is saying to be aware, God is right here with me in that mindset that he is right there with you and he is listening and watching you all the time. You see, too many Christians, what we will do is we will try to, okay, God, I know you're with me and following me. I want to go to this party or I want to go to this event, but uh, I know you're not going to like to be in here. So please stand outside. You wait out here and I'll, I'll go and sin for a bit and then I'll come back out here and we'll get together. And we'll go home. It doesn't work like that, folks. If we go into situations like that, we're literally taking God. Okay, God, no, you don't want to go in here, but um, I really want to go in there. I'm not going to listen to you at this point because I think you're holding back on me. Let's go. And we drag God into these things. You know, if we start looking at our sins like that, we might not sin as often as we we would. Um, but that's what this is talking about. So to pray all the time means to live your life in a way that you're conscious that God is right there with you. He is present with you all the time, and he is your closest friend. That's what this means. This is a powerful, powerful weapon, a powerful piece of our armory to have God's presence with us. So when we go into battle, we're not going in alone. 
We can talk with God as the battle is going on. He is right there with us. And as Christians, we know the Holy Spirit actually indwells us. We have God with us no matter where we go, no matter what the circumstance. Yes, we sometimes take him to places that I'm sure embarrasses him and, and makes him sad that we go there and we do these things. But he is there nonetheless. So prayer opens up resources that we can even begin to fathom. How many missionaries have wonderful stories about how some bad situation was happening and they prayed and all of a sudden, miraculously, literally, it's like a miracle almost that their uh, their prayers are answered. Um, I remember one time myself when we had bought this house where we're at right now, um, I came up, I left a, a very secure job teaching in Illinois to come up here to go to a Christian camp, which is just a couple of miles, uh, about two miles north of here. Um, and where I used to walk to work all the time, walking through this beautiful forest every day. But when we built this house, we wanted to heat this house. Since we live here in this forest, uh, there's plenty of firewood all around. So we thought we would heat the house using firewood. So we had a fireplace put in, but the thing is it didn't get added to the mortgage as they were building our house. We thought it had, it didn't. And a couple of months later, we got this um, bill in the mail for $5,000. But the thing is, all these people who had promised us that they were going to support us, the majority, I won't say all, but that's, that's incorrect. About three quarters of the people who promised that they were going to support us as missionaries, we never got a cent from. They never paid us one penny. Or some gave us, uh, they said they're going to support us monthly. Maybe we got a small check at the beginning. We never heard from them again. Even though we contacted them, they just ignored us. And it got down after so many months, um, not quite a year, that we ran out of money. And it was a very difficult time. My wife was having at that time some health problems. Um, that was adding to our, our problem here. Um, and I remember our refrigerator had hardly any food in it. So it got very, very difficult for us as a family. Um, I'm working for God. I'm doing what he's called me to do at this camp. But the thing is, we're hurting terribly. And what ends up happening it was a Sunday. I was working at the camp, and it was in the wintertime. It was in February. I was on top of the Tube Hill, and the director of the camp came up to me. He walked up the Tube Hill, and he says, I just heard that you guys are out of money, and that you have no food in your house. And I said, well, yeah, that's, that's true. I was embarrassed to say it, but I said, it's true. He says, okay, go down to the dining hall. I know the cook down there is making all sorts of things, and there's leftovers from the camp this weekend. Get trays of food. Get some pans and stuff. Get a gallon of milk stuff bring it home, and you feed your family. Well, I, I did. <laughs> what was really interesting is the cook had just made trays and trays of chocolate eclairs. And so I brought probably like 50 or 60 chocolate eclairs home. <laughs> yeah, we're going to eat chocolate eclairs for breakfast for lunch. I brought other things like green beans and milk and stuff. But boy, chocolate eclairs, we had a lot of those. And I brought some roast beef, but we did this. As we're sitting there eating that night, at our dining room table, which is just on the other side, um, this deck comes out from our dining room. As we were sitting there, um, everybody was depressed. And my girls, my three girls were very depressed. Like, this is just, you know, what's going on? Why is God doing this and stuff? And I said, okay, let's do this. I said, Denise, go get every bill that we own. Go get every bill that we owe money to. And I said, uh, people, uh, girls, take your meal. Let's go sit in the living room floor by the fireplace. And we did. We got up. We went in there. Denise got all the bills. We sat down on the floor on the carpet. And I said, Denise, hand me the bills. She handed me the bills. And I said, these are how Satan is attacking us. 
with money. He's coming after us using money as a weapon. And I threw the bills down on the floor. Then I read from chapter, um, from 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19 to my, to my family. And this is the passage in the Bible where King Hezekiah, who was a good king, who was following God, was surrounded by King Sennacherib of Assyria and was being attacked. Over 150,000 troops surrounded Jerusalem. The Assyrians had never lost a battle. It was a massive army. They'd never lost. And it looked like there was no hope for Jerusalem. Every other city had fallen. Jerusalem was the last one. But Hezekiah went and got the prophet Isaiah, and they prayed to God. They went to prayer. And even though they'd been praying all along, they went to God in prayer. God says, I'll take care of it. Sennacherib and the Assyrians won't even shoot one arrow in the city. Um, I will take care of this uh, for the sake of my servant David, because Hezekiah, you're a good king, Isaiah, good prophet. You guys are following what I'm saying. I will protect you. And then that night, they all went to bed, woke up in the morning, and the entire Assyrian army is dead. There's actually an archaeological thing that supports this. Um, Sennacherib's prison, talking about how he never captured and took uh, the city of Jerusalem. Though he conquered every other city, he never conquered that one. But as they got up in the morning, they looked over the walls, the entire army out there was dead because God set the angel of the Lord to destroy them. And I said, you see what's going on? The Assyrians were working for Satan. God protected his people. We got called out to come up here to work for God at this camp, at this Christian camp. We're doing what God wants us to do. We're trying to follow God, but we're being attacked by these bills. And I said, we're going to pray right now for God's relief, for him to come to our rescue. So we held hands and we prayed. After I prayed and said amen, I turned to the kids and I said, now, like Hezekiah, he just had to sit back and wait for the miracle. Let's sit back and wait for the miracle. Well... The next morning, got up, the girls were at school. I uh, was sitting in a rocking chair in my house, and I was reading an archaeology magazine, I recall, and I got a phone call. phone call was from a former student teacher of mine from back in Illinois, back around 1994 or something like that. She taught for me. And a good Christian lady, her and her husband, matter of fact, they've gone to the mission field themselves now, but they were very well off, um, had a lot of money, and... Um, they were very close friends of ours, and they called us up and they said, every time we've been having our devotion time together, you guys keep popping up on our minds. She says, do you need financial help? And I said, yeah, and I explained the situation, what happened, what's going on. She says, okay, when we hang up, I'm going to write a check and send it up to you to cover all your expenses. Well, I'll tell you, there were some tears coming down to the face of this old man here that was hardly ever cries, but... Um, I told Denise, we had a good cry spell, praising God and stuff. And then I told her, when you go pick up the girls at school, don't tell them. I want to see their faces when they hear this. So when they came home that night and they walk in the house, I'm sitting over by the fireplace in my rocking chair. They come in, they still got their coats and their boots on. And as they walk in, hi, Daddy, hi, Daddy. And I said, guess what happened today, kids? And immediately, I don't remember which one said first, but immediately the miracle happened. And went flying the coats, the boots flying off and everything. They came, all three, come running over and they sit at my feet saying, tell us all about it. Tell us what happened. And I told them. They still remember that. And my youngest was only like um, six years old. I mean, five or six years old. She, was, she still remembers that story. Because prayer does work. 
It's not something we use as a last resort, though we do use a last resort, but it's not supposed to be like that. We pray all the time. The resources, and I could go on with other missionaries who have told me stories about how they had no food in their house and they prayed and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door, they go over. No one even knew that they were out of food. They go over, they open up the door, and here's two bags of groceries sitting there. Nobody around. I've had people tell me that, you know, we had a bill came uh, come to our house and they were demanding payment and um, we're praying, God, help us. What were you supposed to do? And then they go to the mailbox and here's a check for the exact same amount as what the bill's totaled up to. God has resources we can't even begin to fathom. Why don't we want to talk to him? So God can open up resources we can't even dream about. It's I'm not saying that if you pray, you're going to get rich. No, we're not doing a prosperity gospel here because God doesn't want some people to be rich um, in financial things. They couldn't handle it. I'm terrible uh, with numbers and stuff. My wife has to handle all the accounts and stuff in our house and, and for evidence for faith because I can't do it. We have an accountant also we hired to take care of things. That is not my gift. I don't do things like that. But God, we just got to remember, he owns everything. All the gold, all the silver, all the cattle, all the land, everything belongs to him and he can open up resources we can't even begin to fathom so this praying is a weapon it goes beyond the boundaries of our minds and our expectations praying at all times in the spirit means to be also if you catch this now since we're right there with our best friend god that he's right here he's with us all the time that we're in harmony with him if we're living in obedience we're in harmony with him all the time and that's how it's supposed to be, in harmony with God's will. And we need to pray, God, just, I don't, you know, if I'm asking for something, I have to put that petition at the end, but Lord, I want your will, not mine. God isn't there just to make you rich. Prosperity gospel, no, that is not it. That is not correct. There are many people who are walking close with God that are extremely poor. And just read the New Testament, and you'll see about these things. So I want to wrap this up just by saying, folks, prayer is a weapon. It is a powerful weapon. And as we have seen with other things, these things work when we work in obedience with God, to walk close with God. Our God is not just a, a friend. We are part of his family, and he is watching out for us, but we need to be obedient to him. But we need to talk to him frequently and be in the mindset that he is there all the time. So you don't have to get down on your knees and pray. Many times when I would drive to work, when I was teaching in Illinois, I had a 25 minute drive to go to school. It was a time I would just sit in the car and I would just like talk to God like he's sitting in the front seat. We'd be talking about what my day was gonna be like. And I would say like, oh God, I gotta remember to do, Jesus, would you please remind me to set this culture at this temperature because I forgot to do this or I need to do this. And I would just talk to him like he's my best friend sitting in my seat, but he is also my Lord and my King. I don't lose respect for him. I hate using best friend, but because today's theology, a lot of times this horizontal church, we just look at God as being our bestie, but he is the holy almighty God, but he's right there with you all the time. So when you're hurting, go to God when praying. When you're doing great, go to God in prayer. When you get tremendous blessings and things are going great, you got great health, go to God in prayer. In every circumstance, talk with God. It's so important. And that's the last piece of this armor. And don't forget to stay alert through this whole thing, too. That's a command he tells us also. Well, I want to thank you for joining. And 
uh, throughout the series as we conclude the, the armor of God here, talking about these different pieces, how they work, how they can apply to your life. How do we live in spiritual warfare that's going on today? Now we've covered it because this is tremendous weaponry that God has given us. But don't forget the one on prayer. So we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us at Evidence for Faith. If God puts it upon your heart to help support us in our ministry as we try to get more and more going out and, and more books and, and videos and podcasts published to try to get the, the gospel message out and to show evidence that the Word of God is true. If God puts it upon your heart to support us, we, we'd love to have you support us. Uh, we really relish having you pray for our ministry also um, that we'd be able to continue doing this. But we'd love to hear from you also. Any comments or questions? Um, we get some really good uh, um, messages at times. We just love hearing from you. So please contact us at evidenceforfaith.org. And until we meet again, take care and may God bless. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you to our donors who make this program possible. Evidence for Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry based in the USA. You can support this broadcast by donating online using the links in the description. And don't forget to leave us a comment, a review, likes and shares to feed the algorithm and help others find this content. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.